following is a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. Amen, amen. You may be seated today. As you can tell, I'm a little wound up today. The reason why I'm a little wound up today is because I'm not feeling real good today. And so what I recognize is what the enemy's trying to do when he's trying to bring sickness or fear into our lives is he's trying to stop the plan of God for our lives. In those moments when we're faced with challenges, we are faced with a choice. We can either roll over and play dead and go, oh, God, God, Jesus, I thought you did Right? Or we can stand up and say, God, I thank you that you're for me, and I thank you that your word says, by the stripes that you bore on your back, I'm healed. And I'm going to believe that even if I don't see it or feel it right now, I'm going to believe that. I'm going to live life by the spirit, not by the flesh. I'm going to live a life of faith, not a life of fear. I'm going to trust in the promises, not the problems. So I've been talking about living life by the spirit. And we, we've been looking at the role that our behaviors play in living life by the Spirit, because our behaviors are important. They really are, but our behaviors are never important in making us right with God. We've got to grasp that. And one of the things that I can tell when I start talking about people's behaviors is it's something that they feel like they can kind of latch on to a little bit more. You know, it's something that we can kind of see, we can hear, and we can feel. What are those? Works of the flesh right? It's easier for us to understand that. But when I'm talking about God's love, it all just seems so esoterical and just kind of out there and, okay, God loves everyone. And and we never understand the application of God's love to our life. So before I start talking again about living life by the Spirit and I'm dealing with our behaviors, I want to remind you this morning of how important it is for you to become established in God's grace. For you to become rooted and grounded in in the love that God has for you. How can you tell when you're established? How can you tell when you're rooted and grounded in God's love for you? Because it does not matter what is going on around you, you're able to stand, as the word of God says, having done all to stand, you can stand knowing that God's for you. You can stand knowing that God loves you. You can stand not thinking, well, God, what have I done that I've disappointed you, that you've withdrawn your favor from my life? See, when you think that breakthroughs in your life or the favor of God on your life depends on you obeying God, your heart will never be at rest. You'll be full of worry. You'll be full of anxiety. Do you know why? Because you can never obey God perfectly. Never. I know some of you may be here today going, oh, Pastor Richie, I can. No, you can't. We can't, we, we miss the mark from time to time, and when it's contingent upon us for breakthrough, contingent upon us for blessing, we're always unsettled. But when you depend upon God's grace, what is that? Is that just an empowerment to win over the sinful flesh? No, that's a part of it, but what grace really is is unearned, undeserved favor. When do you most need unearned, undeserved favor? When you haven't earned it and when you don't deserve it. Right? So when you get established in his grace, the opposite happens. Your heart does become established. When you know the only thing that qualifies you to receive God's blessing is faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, your heart becomes established. You walk without fear. You're you're not fearful that God is mad at you again. There are some of you that think every time you blow it, God's mad at you. He is not mad at you. 
He loves you with an unconditional love. When we walk without fear or troubles overcome us, we have full assurance that God is for us. And again, if God is for us, who can be against us? Listen, God wants you to get your heart established, knowing that his righteousness, healing, protection, prosperity, provision are yours because they've been paid for by Jesus Christ on the cross. When Jesus said, it is finished, he wasn't meaning it's just beginning. It is finished. God's blessings are sure in your life because they are not dependent upon your ability to be obedient, but they were dependent upon Christ's obedience. Now, having said all of that, I want you to understand that it doesn't mean that our behaviors aren't important. Because you see, our behaviors are the product or the fruit of what it is that we believe. How you're acting when you begin to get out of whack and you begin to respond incorrectly and the way you're living your life, the way that you're believing, the way that you're responding, your behaviors are, are not in alignment with the word of God, what you can recognize is that your belief system is wrong. We don't focus on the fruit. We understand that it's a root issue. So it helps us understand the way that we believe. That's why Paul challenges us in this verse that I want to look at again today to live life by the Spirit. Here's what he says in Galatians 5. I say then, walk in the Spirit, that New International Version says, live by the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. When you walk in the Spirit, or when you live life by the Spirit, you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And you start producing the fruit of the Spirit in your life. When you became a follower of Jesus Christ, all of the fruit of the goodness of God is in you. Because Jesus is in you, love is in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of those things are in you because Christ is in you. By abiding in the vine, staying connected with the heart of God, wrong behaviors that are destroying your life, how many of you recognize wrong behaviors are destroying your life? Honestly, it's the reason why sometimes we get out of grace when we see wrong behaviors destroying other people's lives. We get so passionate and mean, not trying to be, but we want people to stop doing things because we see that it's destroying their life. And not only is it destroying their life, it's affecting our life. And we've got to back up and say, okay, that's their journey. We want to love on them. We want to be filled with grace. See, by abiding in the vine, staying connected to God, wrong behaviors that are destroying your life begin to fall off of your life. Those behaviors called works of the flesh disappear as we live life by the Spirit. So our behaviors are outside indicators of what is happening on the inside of us. But, and this is important, we don't spend time focused on our behaviors, that's not where the priority of our focus is. We keep our eyes focused on Christ, who he is, God's good, God's loving, he's kind, he's patient, and who we are in him, more than a conqueror. That the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control is already in you. 
but we keep our behaviors in our peripheral vision. Now, last week I talked about this, and I don't really have time to go back and talk about it again, but if you, if you haven't listened to last week's podcast yet, go back and listen to it, because our eyes are upon Christ and who we are in Him, but on the outside, you can see in your peripheral vision your behaviors, because those wrong behaviors are blocking the blessing of God from operating in our lives. When I'm not responding right to my wife, when I'm mean and a little ornery, when I can sometimes be a little sarcastic with my wife, when I'm not living life by the Spirit, but living life by the flesh, it affects my relationship with my wife. Y'all, y'all picking up what I'm laying down? Some of you are afraid to nod because it happened on the way to church today. Yeah. It affects the relationship with my wife. So when I'm living life by the Spirit and I'm operating with kindness, love, joy, peace, even when she's doing wrong, which is like once a year, what happens is I, I keep that relationship right and intact. So Paul lists some of these extreme behaviors in verse 19 when he says this, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, revelries and the like. Wow, that's a lot of list, isn't it? Now, again, you know what we think is when we see those things on the outside, but you know what Jesus did? He took the understanding of the law to the extreme to understand when those things are even happening in our heart. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, notice that last line again, that those who practice such things won't inherit the kingdom of God. Now, what I was taught growing up is that if you were saved and you did these things, you would lose your salvation and you would have to get saved all over again. Now, I won't take a poll today, but I can promise you probably most everybody here did something on that list this week. Whether it was outwardly or inwardly, we did something on that list. And so what I was taught is that once you did that, you lost your salvation and you had to get saved all over again. It's why I don't remember the day that I got saved. The reason is, is I got saved a thousand times growing up. Because every time a preacher would come and he would talk about something we were doing wrong, I'd go, oh yeah, that's me too. I'm down at the front of the altar crying and bawling again, getting saved again. But that's not what God is telling us. Now, obviously, people who don't know Christ are doing those things, but when followers of Christ do or practice those things, we don't lose our salvation, but we don't inherit the kingdom of God. Now, what does that mean? What is the kingdom of God? Well, here's what God's word says about it. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus is talking, and he says, and when he, Jesus, was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said this, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And you can go on and on and list all of the different attributes of the Spirit. It is already within you. It's within you, dying to get out of you. That's why Paul writes in Romans verse four, chapter 14, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So what God is telling us is that when we practice the works of the flesh, 
We don't inherit the kingdom of God or the promises that God has for us. We don't inherit the abundant life that God has for us. Our behavior pinches off God's blessing from flowing in our lives. Listen, it's not that God withdraws his blessing from us. It's still available. We still qualify for God's blessing because we never qualified by our own behavior in the first place. We're still qualified. We're still standing in the middle of his blessing, but our wrong behavior is limiting God's blessing from flowing in our lives. Is this making sense today? Are you beginning to understand why sometimes you've been dealing with an issue for a long period of time and you keep saying, God, I thought I was supposed to be blessed and highly favored? Sometimes our behavior is limiting or pinching off God's blessing from flowing in our lives. See, that's why we have to keep our eyes focused on Christ. And in our peripheral vision, keep our eyes on our behaviors and adjust our behaviors as needed. Because our wrong behaviors, those behaviors that are works of the flesh, are blocking God's blessing from operating in our lives. That's why when we're unforgiving, we deal a lot of times with depression and heaviness. Again, if you've got depression going on in your life, heaviness going on in your life, that is not from God. Sometimes we are unforgiving and then we wonder why we're so heavy all the time. I've shared this before, but being unforgiving is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Your unforgiveness affects you much more than it affects somebody else. But Pastor Richie, you don't know what they've done to me. It doesn't matter. I'm telling you, your unforgiveness is damaging you. That's why when we're unloving, there's all kinds of turmoil in our family life. There's, There's a lack of peace going on in our life. There's lack of of this connectedness in the relationships of our life. You see, the greatest indicator of when we are walking by the Spirit or operating in the kingdom of God is when we are walking and operating in love. It's one of the reasons why I like to talk about love so often because love is one of those things that comes into our life but the devil can steal it from us all the time. How does he do it? By getting us focused on the works of the flesh. Our works of the flesh or someone else's works of the flesh. I know some of you sometimes feel like you're the Holy Spirit and you have to help people get some things adjusted in their life. Amen, Pastor Richie. So the greatest indicator is when we're walking in love. How do you know when you're walking in love? You're not rattled by other people's behavior. You're not. You're consistent and steadfast because you recognize you're connected to the the Lord. You're you're focused on him and his unconditional love is constantly being downloaded in your life. So I want to go back to the verse that we looked at last week in 1 Corinthians 13 and kind of continue to unpack and how to be intentional about living life by the Spirit. Just so you know, you're not going to accidentally live life by the Spirit. In fact, if anything, you are accidentally going to live life by the flesh. Because you are being bombarded by things of the flesh all the time. Culturally, news reports that are trying to bring doubt and fear into your life. People in your life that are disappointing you, that are trying to to get you messed up about that unconditional love that you want to extend towards them. So you've got to be intentional about living life by the Spirit. So in, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul's talking about love. He's talking about how to get it. How many of you like to get you some love today? Right? Amen. How to get it. How to give it. How many of you want to give away some love today? Come on, man. I'm telling you, it creates a cycle of love operating in your life. He gives us an understanding of what love looks like. 
Now, is love inside of you, child of God? So it begins to help us understand what love looks like. If you want to know how to operate in love, get into 1 Corinthians 13. Let 1 Corinthians 13 get into you, and you'll recognize every time you're not operating in love. When you're impatient, poof, peripheral vision. Oh, wait a second. I'm being a little impatient. God, I thank you, Father, that patience rests within me. So, God, I'm going to rest in you today, and I'm going to trust you with that situation. I'm not here to be the Holy Spirit. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not called to be the Holy Spirit. So we start recognizing when it's operating in our life. So Paul's talking about this love chapter, and right in the middle of the chapter, he says this, and man, it's been a verse I've been meditating on for the last six or seven months. Here's what it says, that when I was a child, I spoke as a child, understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And what we looked at last week that I want to kind of, again, unpack just real briefly this morning is that what we speak, what we understand, what we think, S-U-T, what we speak, what we understand, what we think, S-U-T, are our systems under training. There are systems under tests. The way that you speak, the way that you understand, the way that you think are the systems of how you operate in life. And this is how you train your systems, by becoming aware of how you speak, how you understand, and how you think. You become aware of it. The moment you're saying words that contradict the word of God, you recognize you've got the wrong system operating. You need to declare words of life, not words of death. The moment you're understanding something incorrectly, because you've read this in the word, but this is the way you understand it, you choose to believe the word of God. The way that you're thinking, your thought processes, all kinds of ugly and mean things are coming in. Listen, your thoughts are not who you are. They're not. we got to learn how to take those thoughts captive and make them obedient unto Christ. So you're not focusing on how you speak, understand, and think. You're still focusing on Christ, but you're aware of your systems. Listen, are your systems blocking God's love? Are they creating a barrier that is keeping others from seeing God's love in you? Do you justify yourself when you're not in alignment with the love of God as found in his word? Or do you adjust yourself to get in alignment with the way love is talked about in his word? See, if your life is not reaching a desired end, you're not seeing things the way that you thought you would be seeing them, do you have the courage today to test your systems? Instead of looking out there saying, I think the problem is out there, what if the problem's in here? Again, it's not who you are, but you're saying things that are wrong. In your peripheral vision, you're noticing, this is not what God says about me. This is not what God says about my marriage. This is not what God says about my finances. This is what, not what God says about me being healed. But I'm saying these things, I'm thinking these things, or I'm understanding things. Do you have the courage today to test your systems? Could it be that the way that you speak, the way that you understand and think is stopping you today from reaching the destiny that God has for you? I'm telling you, when you know that God has a great destiny for you, you want to adjust your way that you're speaking, the way that you're understanding, and the way that you're thinking because you want to get to the destiny that God has for you when you know he's a good God. See, when our systems aren't working right, what we're dealing with is an immature inner life. The outer life is matured, 
We, we went from being this little seven, eight-year-old kid to now we're a 25, 35, 55-year-old man or woman. The, the outside has matured, but the inner life has not. Could it be in certain areas of your life, you're still a child? Reacting to stimulus, things that are going on around you, what people say about you. What, what's happening in your circumstances and situations that you're responding to those stimulus like a child, that you're speaking, understanding, and thinking like a child? Is it possible that something or someone has stumped your inner growth? There's an event that happened. Somebody spoke something over you. you. You began to believe incorrectly, and it stumped your inner growth to where the way that you speak, the way that you understand, and the way that you think, your system is blocking God's blessing from operating in your life. I spoke. I understood. I thought. S-U-T. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. And I thought as a child. See, that's all cool because you're supposed to. When you're immature, you're supposed to speak, understand, and think immature. That's why moms and dads, we give grace. When our four-year-old comes up to us or our 16-year-old comes up to us, because isn't it easier sometimes with the four-year-old than with the 16-year-old? You know, it's why we give grace. Because they're just in a process of becoming mature. It's why we give grace for each other when we've got these areas of our life where we are speaking, understanding, and thinking immature because we recognize in that area this person does not get it yet. So we give grace. But here's the problem. The problem comes with the but. B-U-T. The but says that when I became a man, I put away childish things. The fact is I became a man. I matured and put away childish things. Not I put away childish things and that made me a man. See, because what most people think is if I can just put away the childish things, then I'll be a man. But it says he became a man and still had a childish system. He still had a childish system that had to be put away. Because what was appropriate as a system is now inappropriate because I have outgrown the way that I speak, the way that I understand, and the way that I think. That's why sometimes when you get around somebody who has an immature system and they start saying things about how they're going to show their wife and how they're going to treat their wife because their wife did them wrong, and because you've now matured and recognized if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, and you're going, oh dude, I wouldn't go there. Because you've matured. See, I'm too big to be bound up by some system. If you're here today and you're a child of God, I want you to know that you're too big to be bound up by a system. We are bigger than the system. The system is not going to control us. We are going to control it. And I'm not going to let the system put me away. I'm going to put it away. See, what we we begin to see is that as we mature, the way we speak and understand and think begins to mature. All three of these things are working together. Because you see, the way that I speak affects the way that I understand and think. That's why I'm telling you all the time, declare the promises of God. Declare what the word of God says, not how you feel about it in the moment. Because the way that you speak affects the way you understand and think. And the way that you think affects the way that you speak and understand. And the way that you understand affects the way that you speak and think. All three of those are working together. 
So part of the maturing process is you begin to recognize when your systems aren't working. So because you're maturing and you recognize systems that aren't working, you simply make a choice to put away childish things. You can put it away. Listen, you, you may have said those wrong things all your life. Listen, I get around people sometimes that are, that are tired, and when they start going, man, I'm tired. Man, I'm tired. I'm tired. Whew, I'm tired. 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 Woo, I'm tired. I'm telling you, they say it long enough, I'm going, man, I got to go home and take a nap. Listen, there's nothing wrong with recognizing you're tired, but if you're tired, go home and take a nap. Don't keep saying it over your life. When you mature, you begin to recognize, look, if I'm going to keep saying this over my life, that's going to continue to show up in my life, that even if I've slept 12 hours and got all the beauty sleep in the world that I needed, I'm still going to be a little bit tired because I keep saying, I'm so tired, I'm so tired, I'm so tired, I'm so tired, I'm so tired. I can't overcome this. Oh, man, what I'm going through is going to defeat me. Man, we have to declare what the Word of God says. So we put away childish systems. Things that we got bound up in, things that we were declaring over our lives. Because if you refuse to put it away, or you don't recognize it as a childish system, again, you can develop outwardly, but inwardly still be very immature. Are you a man or a woman who is loyal to the system of a child? Are you waiting on the system to just leave, or are you willing to put it away? See, the Greek word here for put away doesn't mean that it ceases to exist. It just means that you're limiting its function in your life. You're still aware of it. It may even try to tempt you, might to try to come back and, and encapsulate you again to where you're bound up in it again, but you have limited its function in your life. See, it's like me deciding that this computer is hindering me from having an intimate conversation with my son. So I'm going to put it away. I'm going to put it away because it's stopping me from having a great relationship with my son, Christian. So now Christian knows that I'm preaching to him. I'm preaching to him every week, but now he really knows. The reason is, is because it was limiting me from connecting with him. So I put it away. I'm still aware that it exists. I'm still aware that sometimes it pops its ugly head back up and tries to get me operating back in that system anymore, but I do not want to allow that system to hinder me from having a relationship with my son. And any time I recognize wrong behavior, I do not want to limit God's blessing, favor in my life. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can put it away. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you can put it away. Listen, before you miss out on any opportunities, you can put it away. Because if you don't change your systems, catch this today, listen. If you don't change your systems, you'll miss some opportunities. Let me say it like this. If you don't put it away, it will put you away. It'll put away promotions, it'll put away progress, it'll put away love, it'll put away the abundant life that God has for you. No wonder that Paul talks about this right here in the middle of this chapter on love. Because if you don't change your systems, it will put love, life, prosperity, and goodness away. It will put away or negatively affect the destiny that God has for your life. So see, listen, 
Please don't think that we're going to go out of here from now on and nap from now on. We're going to focus on our behaviors. We are not going to do that. No siree bobtails. We are going to continue to focus upon Christ, upon the goodness of Christ, who God is, his love for us, his purpose for us, his plan for us. And we're going to recognize that I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm more than a conqueror. And I'm connecting with the goodness of God. But when I get my eyes on my behavior, when I stop limiting, start limiting what God wants to do in my life, it affects my destiny. It affects promotion. It affects progress in relationships in our life. I know that all of us here today, we have people sometimes that we have relationship issues that we have to deal with. What if we began to understand that all of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, is on the inside of us. And we let it go from the inside of us to get on the outside of us. And we decided that it doesn't matter how other people are going to act. I'm going to act loving. I'm going to act kind. I'm going to be patient with them. I'm going to be gentle with them. I'm going to allow the goodness of God that's in my life get out of my life and be tangible evidence to them. Can you imagine if the fruit of the Spirit are operating in your life, promotions that will come your way? You get into that environment, you're full of love, you're full of joy. Well, Pastor Richie, you just don't know the environment I work in. It does not matter. You can be a change agent. Have you ever noticed that you cannot change anyone else? All the married people said, amen. But you can change you. And the amazing thing is when you change you in the relationship, you start changing the other person. Sometimes you're not even sure who God's actually changing, but it's awesome because the change is awesome. Amen. I'm preaching good today, man. This is exciting me. Woo! 1 Corinthians 13, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I put away the systems that were blocking God's blessing, those systems that were blocking God's destiny in my life. See, but you can't put it away if you're holding on to it. You you can't put it away if you're justifying it, if you're defending it. Are you defending today something that is killing you and killing others in your life? Are you defending something that is destroying the environment of your home life? Something that is destroying your personal life? Something that is destroying your character and your integrity? So that when that thing comes up, you begin to respond with anger? I shared this last week, but you know what anger is. It's just us moving in to take care of the situation. We try to use anger to control people and manipulate people. Do we respond sometimes in fear? God, I'm not sure. God, I don't know. See, are you justifying your behavior even though there's an absence of peace in your life, in your home life? See, have you ever noticed how long you keep dealing with the same issue? Strife in your marriage, again, no peace in finances, sinful habits. And is it possible that you're waiting on others or the environments to change? You're waiting while your destiny is being affected. See, it must be your system. It must be the way that you speak, the way that you understand, and the way that you think. Your system is stopping rivers from running in dry places in your life. Pastor Ritchie, I would change if they would change. Listen, don't wait on someone else to change. You make a decision that you're going to change. It doesn't matter what the economy says. You're prosperous. It doesn't matter what the government does. God is for you. We do not have to be fearful. When I was a child, 
I spoke as a child. What is it that we are saying? What are the words that are coming out of our mouth that are childish? See, Proverbs 18, 21, one of my favorite verses says that the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The book of James likens the tongue to the, a bridle that you put in a horse's mouth or the rudder on a ship. It's, it's therefore direction. And your tongue is the thing that is setting your life in direction. It's not other external circumstances. It's your tongue. What is it that is coming out of our mouth that is poisoning our opportunities? That is taking our lives in wrong directions. If we keep winding up in the wrong direction, do we have the courage to test our system to recognize I might be saying wrong things over my life? I might be declaring the problem when I should be declaring the promise. See, God wants to change the way that we speak. Just so you know, he's not going to slap you around till you do it. Till you say, uncle, okay, I'll, I'll do it. He's not going to waterboard you. Not going to be me to you in any way. He loves you with an everlasting love, but he wants us to change the way that we speak. He wants us to discover in his word. Can I tell you, this is why you got to get up in the morning and spend time in the word of God. Not out of responsibility that if I do this, then God's going to love me. He already loves you. What he's shown you in his word is who he is. So that we don't allow the world to tell us who our God is. So we don't allow wrong people that speak of the judgment and the anger of God to define who God is. We get into the word of God and understand that God doesn't just love, he is love. It's the essence of who he is. It can't help but pour out of his life. So that we begin to understand who we are in Christ. That we're more than a conqueror. It's not just when we are doing everything right. We're more than a conqueror, period. That we're the head and not the tail. We're blessed going in and blessed going out. We're blessed in the country. Hey, hey, farmers. Right? We're blessed in the city. Hey, hey, business owners. We are blessed all the time. So we allow the word of God to discover in, from his word who he is and who we are in him. That's the maturing process for the life of the believer. That we don't discover things from first and second opinions anymore. It's not a book of the Bible. That's our opinion on things, right? We don't, we don't allow people to, that are inaccurately describing who God is or who we are to cite things. We allow the word of God. That's the maturing process that takes place in our life. See, God wants us to focus on who he is and who we are in him. And every time we see in our peripheral vision, again, it's not the focus. Even when your behavior is good. In fact, probably especially when your behavior is good. Because when your behavior is good and you start focusing on it, you can start going, whoa, got this thing now. I now understand how to live as a, as a child of God. I got it, God. Don't need you anymore. I can take it from here. God says, man, knock yourself out. We notice in our peripheral vision words that are coming out of our mouth that don't line up with the word of God. Or, or who he is or who we are in him. And this is just important. Words that are coming out of our mouth that are defining others in our life. I'm telling you, it's a challenge sometimes when you've got people in your life that, man, you, you pray for them, they get out of junk, and then they get back in junk. It's, it's hard sometimes not to declare the problem and keep speaking the problem, keep beating them up about when are you going to change. We've got to declare what God's word says about them. We've got to speak to that, that person that's inside of them, the root, even though the fruit may not be lining up with that. See, we take those negative 
faithless, doubt-filled words. That's exactly what they are. Proverbs calls them words of death. We take those things that we're saying and we put them away. I'm not going to declare that over my situation anymore. Listen, you may have struggled in your marriage for years, and you may be speaking all the time, I just don't know if God can ever heal my marriage. Stop speaking it. You may have some relationship issues that you've declared those crazy cousins, wrong things over them all the time. You've got to stop speaking it. You've got to declare the promises of God. God wants us to change the way that we speak. I'm going to pick up next week talking about the issue of understanding. And how important it is, how important it is for, to recognize that when we're acting in our understanding like a child. But I, I want to close off this morning by sharing kind of my own personal battle with my tongue. I, I grew up kind of uh, witty and sarcastic. I have a family that if you've ever seen the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding that likes to be in everyone's life, that's my family on steroids. If my family had a thought or opinion about you, they, didn't, they did not mind sharing it with you at all. How they felt about that mistake you just made or whatever it is that you did. So I grew up using my tongue incorrectly. It was a, it was a very sharp tongue. In, in fact, I would even joke with my brother, say, I, I refuse to get into a battle of wits with an unarmed man. You know, I mean, I, I literally was very cutting and very mean. And what I didn't recognize is that that way that I was talking, the, the immaturity of my speech was limiting God's destiny in my life. It was affecting the relationship with people that were the closest to me, the, the people that I loved the most. And, and in fact, most of the time, honestly, most of the time, I wasn't doing it to be mean, though sometimes I was when somebody was mean to me. It's always great to give them a zinger back, right? No, no, right, right. Most of the time I was just trying to be funny, but I was trying to be funny at other people's expense. And the, the more that I did that, the more that I said those wrong things over my, over my life and over other people's lives, I watched it negatively affect them. But as I began to read the word of God and I began to mature in this area of understanding that the tongue has the power of life and death, and I began to understand that God's called me, God's called us to speak words of life. He's, he's called you and I to declare destiny over people's lives. I begin to mature in that, and I begin to recognize that's not the behavior that I want to operate in. I also had people in my life, like my, my wife, that would say, honey, and you can't talk like that. You can't say that. And, and one of the things that I, I can recognize the maturing process that's taken place in my life is because when I get around people that I was with, you know, 10, 15 years ago, the moment they make a mistake, they're really guarded, and they catch themselves like I'm going to zing them again. And I, and I catch myself going, man, no, that's not who I am, and it's not what I want to do. Now, I wish I could say that, man, I always get it right. I don't. It, it still sometimes rears its ugly head, and I make mistakes. In fact, sometimes when I get around some of the family members that were like that, and we get to cutting around, man, we can get kind of cutting pretty quick. In fact, sometimes when I go on trips and I come back, Pam could say, oh, man, I can tell you've been with so-and-so. I'm saying so-and-so in case any of my family members end up listening to this. I can tell you've been with them, and the reason is, is because I've fallen back into that immature process in my life. So what I'm praying, what I'm, what I'm praying over us today is that we will start recognizing the speech that's like a child. When we're saying things that are not edifying, when we're speaking not words of life over ourselves, over other people, and over our situations, and we'll learn 
to take those thoughts, because remember, thinking and understanding are connected with this issue of speaking. We'll learn to take them captive, and we'll learn to declare only what the Word of God says about us, about this situation, or what it is that we're walking through in that moment. So my prayer for us, that we're going to mature, that we are going to put it away. I want you to know today, you can put it away. You can put it away, but you've got to recognize, you've got to understand, again, in your peripheral vision, don't start looking at it and think through self-effort and self-will. Well, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna will myself not to do this. I'm telling you, when you do that, you'll find yourself declaring it even more so. But when you're focused on the goodness of God, as I shared last week, we are, we are becoming, we are being transformed like the thing that we're beholding. As you continue to behold the goodness of God, suddenly you start understanding who God is, who you are in Christ, and you want to speak words of life over everything that you're walking through. So I want to pray over us today. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com.